is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I'm delighted to welcome the dynamic duo of Gary Polk and Jennifer Broadman to the show. Gary and Jennifer, welcome. Thank you, Thank Caroline. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited about this conversation. You two wrote a great book and you are trainers of entrepreneurs. The book is called Why Women Entrepreneurs Fail to Win. And I want to start right there because it is tough for women in the career space. The the challenges are different, but why specifically women entrepreneurs? Why is it tougher for them than their male counterparts? Well, I'd like to just jump in on that one, Caroline. Uh, This is actually the third book of a trilogy. My first book was Why Entrepreneurs Fail to Win. And that was written as a college textbook in 1999, I mean 2019. And I wrote it as if my my first and last book. I had so much fun in writing the book, I was talking to some friends and we decided to do a second book. And the second book was Why Black and Brown Entrepreneurs Fail to Win. And so then once we did that, we said, of course, we got to have one more. And so that was the genesis behind why women entrepreneurs fail to win. But this is the only book I have a co-author where I asked Jennifer, she and I have been knowing each other for about five years as colleagues at Cal State University, Dominguez Hills. And I know she's done research on access to capital for women. And in my research, I know that that is a tough thing for women. So we wanted to hit the ball, hit the ground rolling. And we really did so by having the first chapter written by Jennifer called Access to Capital. So that's kind of to set it up. Jen, if you want to jump in and talk about your work on Access to Capital, that'd be good. Yes. Um, so my research in access to capital, I really looked at, you know, what were the kind of barriers that women face? Um, some of the things that women face, especially women of color, is um, issues with raising money through loans where they're not getting advantageous loans for less capital that they need also at a higher cost. Um, also, when it comes to even raising equity capital, it's very difficult for uh, women entrepreneurs to actually get into the faces of the um, private equity investors that they're looking at pitching to. Um, they sometimes face bias um, on that end. Also, if it's any markets that the um, investor is not familiar with, they may not consider um, investing in it. Um, and so that's been an issue that women have faced. Um, I've even heard anecdotally from uh, women entrepreneurs that if they are in a team with a male counterpart, that sometimes they'll have their male counterpart or co-founder pitch for them because then they believe that there's a higher likelihood of them raising that external capital. And that's a major issue. Um, there's actually a, a study made uh, put on by Morgan Stanley looking at that. And re- they really emphasize that you know investors are leaving money on the table by not looking at women and minority entrepreneurs um, because they're, they're you know, um, targeting and, and servicing untapped markets that they may have overlooked uh, previously. Thank you both. I'm so delighted that you're here and sharing this wisdom. So Jen, I'm going to pull a thread a little bit with you because you teach finance and economics and in this beautiful combo, entrepreneurial finance. So what is it that you want our, our women listening to understand if they're considering a new business? You know, they're in that aspirational stage. What kind of due diligence do they need to know on the finance side? 
I would emphasize that they need to look at look at all the resources that are available to them. There actually are a lot more resources than previously for women and minority entrepreneurs. Um, one of the things is looking at pursuing um, a, a certification as a, a women-owned business because that gives them priority in uh, pursuing government contracts. There's also a lot of um, angel invest, inv investment funds and incubators that are specifically to, um, helping women and minority entrepreneurs um, and also underrepresented founders. Um, so those are really great. And one thing that's really good about going through, say, going through an incubator um, that will give you a higher chance of getting more social capital, building your network so that you can really um, be able to raise external capital. Um, it also can be considered a quality signal to investors saying, okay, well, we've actually vetted our idea um, have buy-in from stakeholders, and it kind of show, it can really help garner interest from um, external capital to really help them grow and build their business. Um, what we've actually seen too, um, one of the issues that, that has happened with the pandemic is we've seen in the news, women have been really negatively impacted because of the fact that they don't have those extra resources and those financial resources in raising money. So if they can really start hit the ground running and raise that external capital and already have those contacts early on can be very beneficial. Jennifer, thank you. Gary, I'm going to I'm going to pass the the mic to you if you will because this is the third book in the trilogy as you as you mentioned uh, at the onset. And you write about how being pragmatic can hold women back. So tell me more about that. I'm glad you asked that one. So our second chapter is that title because I'm into dreaming big. I tell people um, let's start with the end in sight. Tell me what your vision for your business is going to be in five years. And then we roll it back to three years and one year. And I was at a uh, pitch event I talk about in the book. And it was a the panel was venture capitalists. And there was one female venture capitalist. And a lady in the back of the room yelled out, hey, I want to ask that lady uh, female venture capitalist up there a question. What advice would you give us, us women entrepreneurs? And she was from Texas, so she had a little bit of country draw. My family's from Texas, so I probably could play that a little bit. And she just said something like, we are just too darn pragmatic. Mm. A guy will go up and say, we're going to do $50 million in annual sales. And we'll come up and say, well, you know, I got to keep it real. I got to be honest. Uh, we're going to do $5 million in annual sales. And everyone knows in that pitch world that, the investors are going to talk you down. So if you start at 50, maybe you get talked down to 30. But if you start at five, that's not too far to go down before investors lose total interest. And so it's kind of understanding to play the game. And what happens is that I've asked other women the question, and they want to keep it real. They don't realize that sometimes it's okay, especially in a pitch mode, to inflate the numbers a little bit because that's kind of how the game is played. But in reality, women are very, let's say, grounding. Uh, the men can be dreamers and maybe go fly off the handle where the woman's back there, a little bit more calculating. and say, no, that's not possible. No, that's not possible. And I just think that that was one of the questions and topics we wanted to bring in, because, again, you can be too pragmatic. You can talk yourself maybe out of a, a potential investor. Just for yeah. doing that and not even realize it. And maybe it's one of those things that where they call your blind spot. You're not even aware of it. It's start, like on your shoulder. Everyone sees it, but you don't see it because it's your blind spot. 
So, Gary, I want to keep with you for a second, and then, Jennifer, I'll certainly have you chime in. So it's it's wonderful if you have a vibrant network of advisors and influencers and fellow uh, entrepreneurs who can coach you and mentor you. So what about the woman listening that says, I've got this great idea, and I really don't know where to start? Where do you point her? Where do you say, okay, in addition to this great book, what are the resources that she should be checking out? Well, I think it starts with mentorship. And so I read a book about why businesses fail. And one of the reasons was timing. And one of the reasons was lack of access to capital. My personal belief is that you don't get the help. More specifically, you don't get the right help. So you want to find a mentor. A mentor is a person who's been there, done that, and now is in a position to tell you or help you think critically about what it takes. So there's some called SBDC, a small business development corp. They're nationwide. I happen to be an advisor at one here locally in Los Angeles. In LA County, there are nine SBDCs. We're an arm of the uh, federal government. So nationwide in the United States, we have SBDCs. All you have to do is type in SBDC, Small Business Development Center. And they're there for you. And guess what? is funded by the SBA, and guess what? That's our money. That's our tax dollars. So these tax dollars are recycled. But now we have a host of incubators. There's women-based incubators. So we could go to Google and ask for entrepreneur help, entrepreneur incubators, entrepreneur accelerators. So there's so much assistance out there. You know, this is actually a great time to be an entrepreneur because of the resources. And you need help because as a new entrepreneur, male or female, you don't know what you don't know. Well, how do you find out what you don't know? By working with a mentor. But let me just give you this piece of advice. You must be coachable. If you're a know-it-all, nobody wants to work with you. That's no fun. So find a mentor, be coachable, and the rest becomes this is your passion. This is something you really want to know about. And things fall into place, but you got to have a mentor. Gary and Jennifer will be right back after a quick break. Hello there, it's Caroline Dowd Higgins. I know that hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who can customize content to meet your goals and someone who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Meeting planners around the world have recognized me for being easy to work with and uniquely suited to create dynamic programming for your needs. My style is high energy and engaging with practical takeaways that participants can implement in their lives and careers immediately. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create healthy workplace cultures, or prevent burnout in your organization, I create customized content to help recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. From the boardroom to the training room or the convention hall, I will help your audience thrive. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. You can find me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So, Jennifer, I want to start with you because the book outlines some common pitfalls that women 
tend to um, fall into when starting a business? Would you share a few of those? And and let's let's turn it to the positive. How do you avoid that? You know, how do you bypass those pitfalls? Um, definitely making sure that, um, as, as Gary said, uh, having a mentor, um, knowing what your resources are. Actually, one thing that we have also in the book is um, a list of all the different types of resources going from the SBA, from SCORE, which provides mentorship, incubators. Um, also, um, if women are interested in pursuing the federal contracting program and becoming a certified women-owned business, all of that. Um, also, just making sure um, that they know um, that they really know their industry, know their industry, know their supply chain um, is really, uh, really important, especially when they're creating their business, creating their business plan, also raising external capital. Um, Investors are going to definitely want to make sure that when you're pitching your idea, that you really know the ins and outs of your business. So um, from, you know, from connecting from like raw material up to your end user. Um, Another thing is just knowing how to delegate. Um, One thing that um, you, you know, we as women, we always hear about the work-life balance, and um, and it's you know it's something that's an ongoing thing that we have to we have to be concerned about, and making sure that our partners that we have at home are really helping with our household responsibilities. Because what we've even seen in the pandemic is a lot of the household responsibilities when it comes to child rearing and and caregiving and household duties end up being put upon the 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 um, woman in the relationship. So really making sure that that is. Um, that there's a lot of support um, to to women entrepreneurs so that they do have that time that they can dedicate to growing and starting their businesses. So I'll, I'll let the two of you decide which one wants to jump in first, but you also write about not viewing entrepreneurship as a team sport. So who wants to take that one? Well, I'd like to take that one. Um, no, it is a team sport. So we want to look at it that entrepreneurship is a team sport. So what I talk about typically as a CEO, your role is really to have a vision, see a problem, see a scenario where you think needs to be improved, do something better. Your second role as a CEO is go assemble a team. And then your third role is to go out and get resources, financial, other human capital partnerships, et cetera. But notice the team comes second. I've had many investors say, by yourself, you're not investable. You need one or two people. So you don't want to take the Lone Ranger mentality unless it's just a hobby that you're not going to scale. You're just having fun. But if you're serious about this, you want to make an impact, you want to have a marketing person, let's call it a CMO, smarting you in marketing, a finance person like Jennifer, smarter than you in finance, an operations person, smarting you in operation and a technology person smarting you in technology. So with four people like that, plus you, now you could build a five or $10 million business realistically. By yourself, maybe you can do 200,000 or less, but to really scale a business, it's almost impossible. And that's really, entrepreneurship is a team sport. And we really preset. I coach women's basketball and um, women and girls basketball for 12 years. And I treat my athletes, whether they're male or female, as athletes, not men or women. But you got to be able to work together as a team. It becomes collaboration. So with a team, you can do much more, but you got to be able to trust your teammates. So entrepreneurship is absolutely a team sport. Jen, I don't know what you want to add to that. Yeah, Jen, go for it. 
Um, definitely. I, th I think when you're as on the investor side, when they're looking at a, a um, potential business to invest in or founders to invest in, you need to show that you can assemble a team and also be able to assemb assemble a customer following. You have to have people that are going to be looking into that vision. So if it, you're already not going to be able to dictate that vision and get a collective team together that wants to execute that vision, it's going to be really hard to get that following on the customer side as well. Um, and so typically when you see investors are looking at investing in those founders. And so seeing that there's a cohesiveness, that they really understand the role that they have in that business, and then also just emphasizing what those roles are and what they're contributing to the business itself. Um, but having a really having a very uh, well executed vision. So I want to I want to dovetail on that because I, I agree 100% vision is important, but I want to take it a step further because you write about knowing your why, which is which is very different. It's a much more elevated vision in, into why you get out of bed every morning, right? Why are you doing this? So Gary, what's your take on on knowing your why and helping others understand the why of your company, of your business? Uh, great question. I'd like to refer to a guy named Simon Sinek. S-I-N-E-K, and he wrote a book, It Starts With Why, and he simply says, before people want to know what you do or how you do it, they want to know why you're doing this. And if you're doing it to make a lot of money, people are just going to walk away, ho-hum, boring. So what is your backstory? And that becomes very important because this becomes part of your passion of why you're doing this. Are we trying to make an impact? Are we trying to do good? What is this about this that makes it so important? Maybe as a child, we saw something that we didn't like, or maybe somewhere we saw something that wasn't done the right way, and I want to make a, an impact. I want to do something better. And so, again, going back to that team, you need to be able to express to your teammates or your potential founding team members why this is important. I started the Polk Institute in um, – 2021. And my first idea was, if I'm going to do this, reach this vision of launching 1,000 ships, which is a metaphor for businesses, by 2032, I need a team. So I contacted one of my colleagues and I said, hey, Mike, I need you on my team. We're getting ready to do something big, but I can't do it without you. And so here's why we're doing it. There's a big student debt. There's an opportunity to give a tuition-free, master-level, practitioner-driven education, and that's going to become the Polk Institute Foundation. And that was our why, that we wanted to help target black and brown women, veteran owners, and help them with their business dreams and give them that practitioner-driven education and training that they may not have received before. That's awesome. And thank you for the Simon Sinek reference. Love it. Great, great TED talk there too, for those who haven't, haven't seen it yet. Absolutely. So Jennifer and Gary, as we draw this wonderful conversation to a close, I'd like for each of you to think about a success story of a woman entrepreneur that you've worked with that was really moving that our audience would like to hear about. So maybe you each have one that you'd like to share. Well, in our book, we uh, close our book with a case study about Shiraz Kelly. Shiraz was a student of mine in Cal State Dominguez Hills in Carson, California. And uh, let's say this was 2005. 
and she was from uh, Tunisia. And you can read her story, but just to kind of paraphrase, one of her dreams was coming to the United States. She had a tough childhood in Tunisia, and she came here. She got her degree. She became an entrepreneur, and now she's on her second business. And she just believes in capitalism. Um, I think Tunisia was a Muslim country. Women were really oppressed in that scenario. And now she's here. She's able to live the life she wants. And she's found her financial freedom. She went from having a uh, security company where they provided security guards and things like that. Now she's in a staffing company where she's providing IT type people. So similar industries, but very successful. And that's one thing that entrepreneurship does for you. And it doesn't make you rich per se, but she found her financial freedom. Now she can live the life she wants to live, do what she wants to do, and just enjoys every day. So that's my story. And she's in the book and you can read all about it. I just kind of gave you an overview, but the things that she went through to get there is worthwhile to read. It should that's be very inspiring. inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Jen, anything you want to add? Um, actually, one of my students in my entrepreneurial finance class, she um, is an international student and she's creating um, an agency to help uh, international students with pursu- finding housing when they're coming from overseas and providing that support. And she's actually just pitched it at a recent uh, competition and received an award for it. So it's a very exciting um, accomplishment for her, but she's in the very uh, beginning stages of that company. Well, that's awesome. We will send her good vibes and, and positive energy. Gary Polk and Jennifer Brodman, thank you both. I learned a lot from you today, and I'm really grateful for your time and your expertise. Your amazing book is called Why Women Entrepreneurs Fail to Win, and it's available on Amazon and all major book retailers. And we were also chatting right before the show. It's in the Kindle ebook version as well. And someday soon, you'll also be able to listen to it in the audio version. Jen, Gary, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new listeners find us online. And you can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.